Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. Thursday, August 3rd, Field and Daniel hanging out. We That's are discussing right. wide receivers. Today on the show, Daniel, they are there are so many. It is the deepest position in fantasy by a mile. But good news, we have football tonight. We have football tonight? We do. We have a Hall of Fame game. What are right. you watching? Tell me about, like, I'm, I'm planning on watching right now. Okay. I but I feel like the Hall of Fame game, I always am like, do I know my, I think the game that I tried to play is how many of these players, by the time I get to like the fourth quarter, yeah. can I still remember and I mean, recognize? I don't know. I mean, Zach Wilson's going to start the game for the jets. He was the number two in the uh, number to pick in the draft just two years ago. And Yikes. I always fall back on this. It's like, I'm not going to overdo it, but yes, I'm excited to watch the hall of fame game, at least for a portion of it tonight, Daniel. And I always fall back on something that took place three years ago when we were in the dregs of the pandemic. And I was sitting there waking up at like 6 a.m., uh, trying to find anything to watch on television. Yep. Like I was watching like, you know, cornhole tournaments from like seven years before and being like, you know something, at least the competitive juices are flowing a little bit. I, I got to be honest, without trying to derail that thought, if you have ever, if, if you've not watched a competitive cornhole tournament, it is way more fascinating than yeah. you would think. Those guys are just like, bam, bam, yeah, bam, it, it's bam. The precision. The it, it, it's the so precision. They are just ridiculous. Pretty much every shot lands in the hole or on the board for a lot of points. So as I mentioned, we're going to get to wide receiver tiers today. Daniel, let's take it away. Uh, rankings, by the way. We're yes. hopefully going to cover like maybe 40 or so wide receivers. And the truth is that we probably have 25 that we can't get to if we only get to 40 because it is so dang deep let's yeah. start at the top my tier one and let me know what sticks out to you and just in case you are listening in for the first time you're making your way back to the fantasy focus feed yep. check out the last couple of days where you have done the quarterback tiers and yeah. the running back tiers as great well call. a lot of great information there here is tier one for you field for your wide receivers justin jefferson obviously the best wide receiver in football what do you have to say there Cooper Cup is number two in this list. Number three, Tyreek Hill set career highs in target shares, targets, receptions, yards. He was unbelievable last year. Jamar Chase also saw over 10 targets a game in this Bengals pass-heavy offense. And then Devontae Adams, number five, the last person in this tier. I think there's two questions that I have okay. when I look at this. All these guys make a ton of sense to me. Four of them make more sense than one of the other ones. We'll get to that. But okay. yesterday, we touched on Cooper Cup leaving practice early with a hamstring injury. Are there any potential updates? Or are we going to be waiting for a while until we get some more news on this? Yeah, probably going to be a few weeks before we have any sort of update on Cooper Cup. If for some reason we find out the Cup might be in jeopardy of missing time during the regular season, he will certainly move down. But I actually think it's not that crazy of a take to have him as wide receiver one going into the year. Think about how remarkable he was two years ago when the Rams won the Super Bowl. He won Offensive Player of the Year and Super Bowl MVP. Yep. His per-game production last year, prior to the game in which he got injured, was better than it was the year before. Yeah. So I know that the Rams were bad last year. You don't have to have a good offense to have a star receiver in fantasy football. I suppose if there's a bit of a threat is that the Rams might be really bad this year and they might eventually pull the plug on Matthew Stafford as their starting quarterback because they want to aim for the bottom in the draft. Feels like I'm like just a few two steps away from me being overly concerned about Cooper Cup for the second half of the season, catching passes from Stetson Bennett and becoming more like wide receiver five or six during the week yeah. as opposed to wide receiver one. Which makes a ton of sense. That's that's the injury, not the injury, but that is the concern baked in with this, with that offense. The big question that I really have is Devontae Adams mm. still belonging in this wide receiver one tier. I think I agree with you that at the end of the season, there's a potential possible wide receiver one overall, but I don't think I've really heard Devonte Adams name mentioned in the 1.01 conversation. Okay. Is he the only wide receiver in this tier that isn't being considered in the 1.01 conversation, but could be, but could end up as wide receiver one at the end of the yeah, year. That's the title of the tier, by the way, is any of these guys could finish as the highest scoring receiver in yep. fantasy. And it wouldn't surprise me. And I think that the, I'm assuming that the reason why you're concerned about Devonte Adams is the quarterback change this year. Well, last year I was concerned last year, right? Okay. And then what happened? He had the most targets he ever saw in a season. 180 targets last year for Devonte Adams over 10, a game second in the NFL behind only Justin Jefferson. So is this, is this going to be the same kind of setup because we're going from Derek Carr now to Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I, I, I don't know as though Devonte Adams is a guy that can't be in that wide receiver one category. I'm just saying when I'm doing my mock drafts and looking at stuff, these other four guys 
they're all in that conversation of, yeah, I could see them being taking one number one overall, but yeah. I just haven't seen Devontae Adams in that conversation yet. He's just the best touchdown maker amongst all wide receivers still, right? 14 touchdowns last year, consistently been amongst the league leaders in receiving touchdowns over the past six years. And I feel like the strongest argument against him is what I just brought up. It's that it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and not Derek Carr. Yep. I hear you on that. And I do believe that Derek Carr is a better pure passer than Jimmy Garoppolo and obviously has a much better track record of staying on the field I kind of fall back though to the stretch during Devontae Adams career when he was catching passes from Brett Hundley would you at least give me that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better player than Brett Hundley I will give you that okay yeah, so you're gonna sure. give me that how about this in 13 games with Brett Hundley as his starting quarterback okay Devontae Adams 65 catches 902 yards eight receiving touchdowns you extrapolate that over a 17 game season 85 catches 1180 yards 10.5 receiving touchdowns. I'm obviously applying a bit of sort of, it can't be that scientific. Sure. My point is more so that Devonte Adams has produced regardless of who has been a quarterback uh, under center for him. Much of it has been Aaron Rodgers. A lot of last year was Derek Carr, but I'm optimistic enough in Jimmy Garoppolo. The volume is just so good. And again, I know Mike Clay would urge us that touchdown production is difficult to sustain year over year over year. I would agree in almost every case. I think Devontae Adams might be close to the most secure amongst all touchdown makers in the entire NFL. Uh, that's I honestly, it's tough to, I want to disagree with you in certain areas, but like this one is tough to disagree with because Devontae Adams has been the goat at this wide receiver position. I mean, up until, you know, Justin Jefferson. I mean, just look at his, just, just like, quickly, look at his touchdown production over the past. I said six, I meant seven years. Okay. Going back to 2016, 12, 10, 13. He was all the way down to five back in 2019 Scrub. when he got hurt. 18, 11, and 14. Oh my right? gosh. So you're talking about over the past seven seasons, double digit receiving touchdowns in, in every six. year. At some point, that feels like a skill set and not simply like, amazing efficiency and like perhaps a bit of good fortune. Hey, sooner or later you're trusting the player, not necessarily always the situation. And Devonta Adams is the kind of guy that you can just trust the player. You can. We sure can. can. We can. Yeah. All right, let's move on to week, uh, excuse me, week tier two. Okay. Absolute stars is this tier two, a wide receiver. We're going to start this off with Stefan Diggs at yep. 1400 yards, hundred catches, 11 touchdowns last year. CD lamb for the Dallas Cowboys. I have a question about him. We'll come back to him. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Wide receiver five in receptions last year, and maybe the best play caller in the game, and Ben Johnson calling plays awesome for him. Awesome last year, yep. A.J. Brown living his best life away from the Tennessee Titans as well. Career <laughs> highs in Philly last year in basically every major statistical receiving category. Yep. A.J. Brown was unreal. And then Garrett Wilson, I think the newcomer to this list. Two main questions when I look at this. C.D. Lamb, we talked about it when we talked to Dak. We talked about it when we looked yesterday at Tony Pollard. Everything has been about the Dallas Cowboys want to run the football. We want to run the ball more. We yeah. want to run the ball. Last year, CeeDee Lamb was wide receiver nine in targets per game, wide receiver four in total targets. Yep. Can they protect his target share this year while still running the ball more like they want to? Are those two things mutually exclusive? They are not, Daniel, uh, if I understand that. I, 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 always, take that I always forget I what mutually, mutually exclusive. <laughs> I, I, I never use it properly. It's the bottom line. It's hard. English is also my third language, so that's difficult, too. Um, the Cowboys may end up trying to run the football more. I'll remind you, though, they were sixth in the NFL in rush percentage last year. So yeah. in a very, very run-heavy offense a season ago, CeeDee Lamb had 107 catches. You mentioned that he was fourth in total targets. He had 156 of those. I'm not sure that number is going to go down dramatically, even if the Cowboys somehow go from the sixth highest percentage of called runs to maybe like third or fourth. And also, while they keep saying this, as we've talked about on multiple occasions already, Actions often speak louder than words. And in the same offseason in which you haven't really signed a certain thing amongst your second running back spot, you let Zeke Elliott go because you had to because of the financial constraints and you trade for Brandon Cooks, right? Like it feels like all of the signs suggest this team could actually throw the football more this year. And while Michael Gallup will have a bigger role and Brandon Cooks is a better number two receiver than they had a year ago. I do think that CeeDee Lamb is primed for yet another monster season. Again, this tier thing is tricky because you could really make a case that Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, maybe even Amon Ross St. Brown all belong in that first tier. These guys maybe just have like slightly less 
slightly less target upside than the guys that we have already mentioned in the first tier overall. Yeah, it's not like these guys do not have a huge target share when you come to, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, uh, it's both all of these guys, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, they're all getting a ton of targets. Last year, Garrett Wilson saw a huge amount of targets in his rookie season on his way to becoming rookie of the year. Obvious newcomer to this list. He finished as wide receiver 30, though, last year. Yeah. What was it about his game that vaulted him all the way up to tier two over another rookie wide receiver that I'm going to mention once we talk about tier three? Yeah, so I think something that we've discussed in recent shows that I think is worth repeating over and over and over again is that like at some point in a player's career, we we kind of expect like there's a baseline of performance, right? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen have reached like annual MVP type candidate kind of players. They can improve, but there's not that much room to go up, right? R- right. <laughs> Garrett Wilson's in year two. Like there's a lot of room for him to go up. Plus, as we all know, he had the worst quarterback room in the NFL last year and you go from Zach Wilson <clears throat> slash Mike White and Joe Flacco to Aaron Rodgers who even if Aaron Rodgers isn't the player that he once was even if he is not an MVP candidate this season he's way better than the Jets quarterback situation last year and if you look at the rest of this Jets offense they did add Alan Lazard they did sign Randall Cup who will make the team and have a role yep. like Garrett Wilson is the one of these things is not like the others amongst the Jets pass catchers clearly the alpha in that room this is a big bet on a guy who i think is going to make a big leap forward hard to find room hard to not find room for garrett wilson inside my top 10 of wide receivers i think the hardest part about all of this we were texting about it yesterday when looking at tiers just rankings and tiering in general the wide receiver get mad about the wide receivers they they are but it's it's hard because i said yesterday there are 25 top 20 wide receivers there's 15 top 10 guys that you could say there are they could all finish in that range it's so tough to be able to to parse out where we like these guys because th- I realize this is part of what we do, but there is upside in so many of these wide receivers in the past happy league that we have right now, Yeah, being able to wait and target them. I'm doing a mock draft series right now. Being able to go wide receiver early is something I love being able to do, especially with any of these top 10 wide receivers, because the upside is just so big. Last thing I'll say on Garrett Wilson is he caught 60% of his targets last year. That's a low percentage, right? It's not a Garrett Wilson problem. That's that not, was a yeah. quarterback problem. If that number jumps to 65%, which is, I would say, probably closer to average for um, like just solid receivers, then he's going to see a big quantum leap. If that number jumps to like 68 or 70%, which is where some of the elite receivers are, then Garrett Wilson's going to see a massive leap as well. So all the factors are trending in the right direction for Garrett Wilson. There's a pretty darn good case for him as the breakout player in fantasy football this season, which feels a little bit odd to say. He was the rookie of the year last year, Daniel. I know. And yet he could be the breakout player in fantasy football this year just because of the quarterback upgrade and just how much better he is going to be. A little bit of an ankle issue right now for Garrett Wilson, but it's early August. Sounds like he'll be okay. Wouldn't be surprised if he's back on the practice field in the next week or so. One of Mama Dop's favorite shows when I was growing up was Quantum Leap. I don't know if you ever watched it. With I Scott did not, Dracula. but I do love Mama Dop. Shout okay. out to well, Mama hey, Dop. That, counts. That, that, that one works then. Way to, way to pivot out of that one. Real good field. All right, let's move ahead to tier three. Honestly, this is we're going to start getting into the category where there's more questions, right? Those guys yeah. at the top, they're so easy. They're superstars for a reason. These guys are also, though, pretty good at, at the things that they do. Tier three, you got Jalen Waddell coming in. Field, you have that wide receiver 11. He's been a top 15 wide receiver each of his first two seasons. Total stud. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 12. Chris Olave, wide receiver 13. And then Devonta Smith, AJ Brown's counterpart there, wide receiver. uh, My wide receiver 13, your wide receiver 14. The Eagles are just spoiled having Devonta Smith be able to be in this tier and AJ Brown in tier two. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just unfair. The rich are just so, so rich right now in Philadelphia. And I don't want to sound. I don't know, maybe like simple minded, but um, at some point yesterday when we were going through the running backs, like we got to a spot where you're like, that's a good player, right? Who has a very, very good role as an example, right? For the wide receivers, like even through wide receiver 14, my thought in terms of categorizing these players is like superstar talent, yeah, right? And there are more coming behind these guys in the next tier that are still superstar level talent. So of these four guys that I mentioned in tier three, like just remember that if you're bummed that, you know, that Devonte Smith is 14th on my board, like it's not really about him. It's just right. about the depth of the position ahead of him. But all of these guys could end up being your wide receiver one. If you go running back early and of these four, Daniel, the one that I think stands out as the player that I am 
most excited to watch this year is Chris Olave for the Saints. And the, 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 the calculus here is pretty straightforward. Such a darn good player. He had a very similar year in some ways to Garrett Wilson. Similar. He was statistically better than Garrett Wilson yep, in a so, lot of categories. Yeah, so right there with Garrett Wilson in a lot of important categories last year, of course, college teammates. So 83 catches for 1,103 yards and four touchdowns for Garrett Wilson last year. 72 for 1,042 and four touchdowns uh, for uh, Chris Olave. So a little bit behind him uh, and also in terms of total targets last year. Olave, though, uh, banged up for at least a portion of last season. Missed a couple of games there. Uh, missed two games in total last year as a rookie. But I think that the skill set will shine so much more with Derek Carr. Yeah. And while I have, as we discussed, tepid expectations about Michael Thomas, I think it's only fair to keep your expectations tepid after three straight injury plague seasons. It does feel like Chris Olave at least has a bit more help around him that defenses can't allocate as much of their attention to Olave this season as they could last year. Olave is just such a superstar talent. I mean, both of these guys were drafted in the top 12 picks for a reason in the 2022 NFL draft. So as I'm looking through guys that are capable of making that leap from year one to year two, year two to year three, like I know this is like a wild thing that I do, but I just go find guys that are awesome at football. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like my big, like my my wow uh, discovery over the past few months. And Chris Olave just seems to check all the boxes for me of a player that could at the end of the season overperform his current ADP and his current ranking, which is saying something because I have him as wide receiver 13, but... In prior years, I have done Fields favorites for like my guys that I love the most. Chris Olave might be the captain of that team this year. All about Chris Olave in 2023. Would Chris Olave be be in the tier three if he just had a different quarterback play? Is the reason why he's in tier three and Garrett Wilson is in tier two because of differences in the players? or because of differences in the situation that you don't love? Um, I would say that, I mean, first of all, we're only three spots apart, uh, yes, but I, I would agree. say that the, 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 the line in the sand is like, Aaron Rodgers, superior quarterback uh, to to Derek Carr. Yep. Um, Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, but Aaron no, Rodgers, no, a no superior talent, obviously. Four-time yeah. MVP uh, is uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I think that this offense uh, is going to be whatever Aaron Rodgers feels like it wants to be. Yeah. And if he wants to throw the ball every single down and he wants to throw it to Garrett Wilson on every single play, he'll do exactly that. I do think the Saints will strive, as they have in recent years, for a bit more balance. They do have a well-stocked backfield. The Jets could soon with Dalvin Cook. I'm not ignoring yeah, we'll see that, that dynamic. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're picking nits here. But, yeah, I think the, the Aaron Rodgers factor thrusts Garrett Wilson three spots ahead of Chris Olave. Color me as one of the people that was out on Seahawks wide receivers last year. Yeah, when big Gino lesson Smith learned for all of us. Every single one of us this yeah. year. I don't think we're out on Seahawks wide receivers. Now the question is, dang it. They drafted another one in the yeah. first round. How is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to impact potentially DK Metcalf, or is he going to be more of a factor towards Tyler Lockett, who we'll talk about a little bit later? I'm not sure either, necessarily. Yeah, I fair. think that there's a chance. I said this a couple of days ago. I think the Seahawks could be one of the five highest scoring offenses this season. Yeah. I think that maybe what happens here for Jackson Smith and Jigba is that like the third pass catcher role in Seattle that was kind of filled by several different guys last year becomes more of the JSN role as opposed to taking away from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We saw something last year from the Seahawks that we had been craving the year prior, which was you've got this player and DK Metcalf who is otherworldly in terms of physical abilities. And yet you were way too reticent to throw him the ball. Remember two years ago during that, that crazy year where Russell Wilson gets hurt and the Seahawks kind of go this way. Um, There were games where it was like, wait, why did DK Metcalf have four targets? Like, why are you not like the opening play of the game should just be like, go to the huddle. Are you guys, are, are guys ready? Uh, we're going to go uh, slot, right, throw ball left to DK Metcalf. That's right. our play call, that's right? Like play. That's what it should be. And there were so many instances two seasons ago where they were too often ignoring DK Metcalf. Last year, they got back on track. He had 141 targets in those 17 games. And as far as like physical capabilities, Daniel, he's one of the best big play threats in the entire NFL. I've got him as a strong tier three wide receiver consideration. Not super concerned about Jackson Smith and Jigba taking away from either him or Tyra Lockett, which will be reflected in the Lockett rank in just a little bit. I love that. I mean, that makes me feel good because I... 
DK Metcalf is somebody I'm hoping takes another step this year. Interested to see what this Seahawks offense is going to look like, though. I mean, Geno Smith was great. Part of this is you got to ask yourself this question. How real do you think Geno Smith's breakout was last year? And he led the NFL in completion percentage. He was just remarkable in so many ways. Comeback player of the I, I was like, what did they come back from? The bench? Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's a different conversation for a different day. But um, if you believe in DK, uh, in in Geno Smith, and I do think what he did last year was pretty real, then I feel comfortable with both these Seahawks receivers being this highly ranked. There are a few people, Field Yates, that I feel like have more internal useless knowledge than you do. I say that as a a, compliment. I definitely have unimportant stuff. Is there a quarterback? Because this is my question on Geno Smith. Is there a quarterback that has done what Gino did this late in his career, Mm. right? He was top 10 for the first time after turning 30. How many guys have done that to be able to extrapolate? Hey, we have something to be able to look at this because right now I've been thinking about this a lot. I think Gino's the only guy that I can think of that has, you know, had waited that long in his career. Something to just think about as we, uh, I don't have a good answer. Like, you know, people like, Kurt Warner was a whole different category. Yes, totally different guy. Know, bagging groceries, playing in the arena football but league. Gino but was in the NFL. That yeah, whole that's time. fair. That like somebody just sat on the bench for a decade, basically, and then all of a sudden breaks out in year eleven. I don't know. He's so the I Cordero guess Daryl Patterson of the running back position of the, uh, quarterback, the quarterback position. Yeah, that's a good call actually, so, right there. Um, all right, Gino Patterson. Let's move ahead to tier four field. Okay. Tier four. I got a lot of questions. This is where again I, I said it. We're going to start getting into questions here. One, you have this listed as can be your top wide receiver in tier four. Yeah, especially if you go running back heavy or you drive yourself, grab yourself a Travis Kelsey. Like this is part of the reason why it does feel comfortable sometimes going running back, running back, running back to start your drafts because all of a sudden it's round four, maybe even round five. And you're like, oh my God, this guy is still available. That's the beauty of the depth of wide receivers. I'm not saying you should ignore them, um, but if you're playing in just one draft and you need to sort of, set a highest floor grabbing running backs early certainly does help because some of these players that we are about to discuss right now, as I look at their current ADP is even lower than rounds four or five. There are guys in this tier that are going in round six, seven and eight. That is crazy to me. That is really crazy. We're talking about Debo Samuel at the top of this list field, T Higgins, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Deandre Hopkins and Tyler Lockett. I think right, so you what stands I, out more? I, most. You, you and I see Debo Samuel differently. I want to ask you what your reasons for optimism on Debo are, because I think I'm a little more pessimistic than you. Talent play, pure talent play here on Debo Samuel. So last year was obviously a bad season by the standard that Debo Samuel set a year prior. Yep. And let's be very clear about 2021. As incredible as Debo Samuel was, there were some red flags from a fantasy perspective, he was scoring on like every sixth rushing attempt that he had. His receiving efficiency was off the charts. I've All those things you. are notable. Give it to In me. In 2021, Debo started the season okay. seeing 10 targets a game yep. over his first eight games as a wide receiver. Uh-huh. Then over his final eight games, yep. he was a completely different player, rushed for 365 rushing yards yep. and eight rushing touchdowns. Yep. Literally, it was like the tale of two two seasons. Sure. Yep. No, I mean, totally. I mean, it is just like crazy how efficient he was but by the way like those 10 you would actually prefer the first half the 10 targets the 10 targets a game but both of those things are like crazy good for fantasy football yep. a wide receiver getting 10 targets a game or a guy scoring like Eight every six touchdowns. times he yeah. rushes the ball is awesome but daniel we do know this about debo samuel there's no better bet in the nfl to get not just his requisite receiving touches but he'll run the ball 40, 50 times a year, right? That's, that's that's who he is. He's a wide back. So we get the rushing upside here from Debo Samuel, and I'm not expecting him to score every six carries. And this is just like my fundamental belief that he's so much better than what he showed last year. The injury certainly limited him. And while the 49ers do have this glut of playmakers, right? George Kittle's a beast. Brandon Ayuk is awesome. Christian McCaffrey obviously rules, and they've got good backfield depth behind him. I think that Debo might end up being the straw that stirs the drink in the passing game this year. So I'm optimistic. I've got him as wide receiver 15. You've got him as wide receiver 21. So you're a little bit less excited about him than I am. I think part of the idea is once CMC came here, right? We, his rushing value just cratered only 96 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Once CMC joined the 49ers. He's still got a lot of attempts though. Like the efficiency was poor, but six, nine, seven, 10, five, and three, like for a receiver to get, 
if I do the math, that's 15, 22, 32, 37, 40 in six games, like almost seven rushing attempts a game is pretty good for Debo. 40 attempts and 96 rushing yards. Oh, the efficiency stunk. That was terrible. Yeah. So what terrible. happened there? Like, and that's, that's the question. Like if, if Elijah Mitchell is going to be there, if CMC is going to be there. Oh, I, I count the wrong number, by the way. Take all that back. Okay. That was my his targets I was counting. Yeah. All right. We just, uh, we just but yeah, fewer, fewer rushing attempts than that. But still, the point is he still had a rushing role. My apologies. I'm not good at reading. So we've already established on this show. English is my third language. And not good at reading. I can hardly read. Um, yeah. I can do math, though, fairly quickly. All right I just have to read the right copy. Right. When I'm doing math. And and here's the thing. Like every day you always come, you look nice. Like well, you don't have to worry about that. Well, thank you. you I appreciate that. Roll yeah. out of bed and and felt wearing a, uh, a button down shirt today for some reason. Yeah. I was wondering why you're doing it's that. Little, little, it was a little colder outside this morning when I woke up. That's fair. Which right. was way too early because I have two young kids. Really quickly back with Debo. Yep. I think the thing for me, we saw less rushing volume. We saw fewer targets. Again, mm-hmm. once CMC got traded, yeah. he didn't go back to that elite seeing 10 targets a game like you saw in 2021. Okay. He was only seeing seven targets a game, and he barely played with Brock Purdy. So for me, it is more anecdotal around the idea of, I think he saw a little bit less volume once okay. Christian McCaffrey, who was a volume monster, obviously came yeah. to that offense. And with CMC and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk taking a step, a lot of people have been talking about him this offseason as well. I have him just a little bit lower. He would actually be in my tier four. Okay. Uh, excuse me, tier five. You have him here in tier four. So I'm interested to see the way that Debo is going to work because I think this is one of the first players we've had like a, a gap between. I still have him as wide receiver 21, yeah. but I'm a little bit more pessimistic on Debo. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think some of the points you make are fair. I'm just going to continue to trust the still talent a great here. player. He's, yeah. he's just such, such a good that's player. Fair. I mean, like... During that run at the end of the 2021 season, we were talking about Debo Samuel is maybe the most exciting player with the ball in his hands in the entire league. Yeah. Like that's how we were discussing him to the point that I think the, the, the 49ers remember this is important here, Daniel Debo Samuel sent Kyle Shanahan more pictures with his shirt off than Kyle <laughs> Shanahan has ever seen in his life this offseason. So Debo said like that, yeah, like Kyle said that recently. Fair. So have you baked that into your evaluation? I haven't. I haven't. Also, Might be time for you to reconsider. I think I need to start sending you more shirtless photos of me. I think I'm good. I nah, think I'm good. No, nah. we'll think about it. I mean, the thing is that you've got so many tattoos that I can never tell whether you're shirtless or just walking around with a t-shirt on. Oh, I appreciate that. I think that's pretty cool. This one is actually a Manchester Orchestra t-shirt. This is not a tattoo. It's not a tattoo. No, oh, I thought a it was tattoo. a full body tat that just How had a little you. bit of breathing room. To uh, it. Another wide receiver in this list that I really like, and we talked about at lunch a couple days ago because yep. spoiler alert we go to lunch and we still talk about fantasy football because we're dorks we need a life terry mclaurin hasn't had a real quarterback since entering the nfl i'm going to quickly list the quarterbacks that terry mclaurin has played right, with so we have 33 minutes left then you'll be done <laughs> with like four to go taylor heineke Dwayne haskins yep. case keenum carson wentz alex smith kyle allen garrett gilbert Colt McCoy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Sam Howell. There's not a name in that list that you look at and you're like, oh, that guy's definitely a top 15 quarterback. Yeah, it's been certainly, uh, it's been a sort of a carousel for for Terry McLaurin. Rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins, of course. Um, the quarterback situation right now is being spoken of in a certain light. Everybody's optimistic, though, in August. Um, but I am going to join in the optimism. Yo, and think that Sam Howell, okay. plus Eric Bieniemy. Yep could lead to the steadiest ship that Terry McLaurin has ever been a part of offensively in the NFL. Tell me more, please, because this is what I've been waiting for, right? Is for this CM- is, CMC right, to have so a- this Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator yep. that everybody was talking about this offseason. I'm not going to go into why he's not an NFL head coach because I don't have an answer, frankly. <laughs> and maybe this offseason he will be and justice will be served. But we all know he's a freaking star offensive coordinator. Yep. He chose the commanders and... He gives them organization, creativity, discipline, and while I do think this team has quite a bit of talent in the receiving room, Daniel, there is a true alpha. I think Terry McLaurin, pretty clearly the best player on this offense, and if it weren't for so many good defensive players, notably John Allen, he's probably the second or third best player on, on this entire roster. Yeah. Terry McLaurin, so another talent bet here for me. I think the the volume that you saw down the stretch last year from Terry McLaurin even before Sam Howell became the starter, that to me gives me faith. I'm like, if I'm Eric Bieniemy taking this job and trying to envision the way that I build an offense that's going to be productive and is going to get me a head coaching gig next offseason, priority A is getting the ball in. 17. Uh-huh. Number 17, throw him the ball. Darren McLaurin, 
awesome down the field, good after the catch. He's good at everything. He really is. I mean, he's just one of the most well-rounded players in the entire NFL. So I'm more optimistic on Terry McLaurin because I think he is the clear-cut number one in his offense. And pretty soon we'll get to the point where you're looking at offenses that might have multiple guys that can make the case as the number one. Yes. Might. I think in Washington, Terry McLaurin, still the wide receiver one. Um, again, we're at wide, we're at tier four, and I'm still like fired up about the guys that we are talking about. Depth, people. The depth is, is so off deep. the charts here for these wide receivers. And I also think with this, even if Sam Howell isn't, you know, everything that we are hoping he is going to be, Terry McLaurin has survived with pretty, obviously, well, subpar quarterback play for a real long time. And by the way, if it's not Sam Howell, if he proves he's not it, Right. To come to Brissett waiting in the wings. And he was the best Browns quarterback he last year. He was awesome for Amari he Cooper's was totally value. Fine, yeah. Yes. So I think that like um there's a certain line. It's almost like this like this very metaphorical line that you have to be over for me to trust your quarterback play. And I think that Sam Howell, the optimistic part of me, thinks he's above that line. He was a really good player at North Carolina prior to his last season. He was fine his final season, but his second to last season in college, he was awesome. Like to the point that if he had been in that year's draft, might have been like a first or second round pick. It's just that his final season wasn't as productive. He goes in the fifth round. A lot of natural ability, though, there for Sam Howell. I'm optimistic right now. And if not, the safety and security blanket, if you will, of Jacoby Brissett makes me think that the offense will still be just fine. Still be a good floor there. Yeah, I like that call. Uh, one more question in this tier field. Ask me. Last ten. one. Yeah. Have the Titans learned their lesson? All right. That's, you know, if we did a burning question segment a couple of days ago, we could have thrown this one in there. Um, Can I tell you why? Robert Woods and Julio Jones? No. No. Oh, okay. No. I think that for me, the Titans obviously have a, a very run heavy scheme. Yeah. Right. When AJ Brown was there, AJ Brown only saw 10 targets mm. six times in his three years in Tennessee last year. DeAndre Hopkins, the new Tennessee number wide receiver one, yeah. saw 10 targets seven times in, in 10, uh, games 10 games last yeah. year. Yeah. So <laughs> is this going to be a situation where, hey, the Tennessee Titans aren't going to do the same thing that they did last time because if Nuke is going to be the Nuke that we know, you need to feed him the football. And we didn't see them do that with the last superstar wide receiver they had. Not only A.J. Brown, because you're right. The A.J. Brown example might be the most prominent because A.J. Brown was the most talented, but like trade for Julio Jones, right down the drain. Yep. Trade for Robert Woods, wasn't great last year. Um, It's fair. You know, I've actually been surprised in this regard is I felt like when Julio, excuse me, when DeAndre Hopkins was a free agent, most of the rhetoric was like whoever gets him is potentially adding a star receiver to their offense whether it was the Titans, the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs. And then I felt like once he signed, it was kind of like, eh, what is he anyways? He's washed. And by the way, I'm not talking about like Patriots, Bills, and Chiefs fans that are in my mentions that are just sort of upset (laughs) they didn't get him, right? Like I feel like the tone has kind of changed. I'm going to trust this one here, Daniel. Like the volume needs to be significant because that's one thing DeAndre Hopkins has always thrived off in his career, right? Not a yak guy, not a guy that's going to run like Debo Samuel with the ball in his hands. Not going to be a big play down the field kind of guy like AJ Brown. He has thrived when if you give him 12 targets, he can turn that into nine catches, 98 yards and a touchdown. And if I'm Tennessee and I've, screwed this up twice in the past two years and really three in the past three years. If you include AJ Brown, I'm hoping that I am learning my lesson with some new direction. Charles London, now part of that coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. I'm hoping they've learned their lesson. If I get burned again, Daniel, then I don't care if the Titans trade for Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams and Justin Jefferson next off season, not buying it. I will not be buying it. Yeah, honestly, that is, that would be wild though. That would, that would be really wild. I'm really interested to see because I love DeAndre Hopkins. We all, everybody like knows how good Nuke has been, but it, he is a volume king and no, the Titans hey, need to find a way to manufacture touches for him. There's no two ways about it. Period. And I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth here. Cause I have him as I'm like flag planted wide receiver 19. Feel good about him. He's the riskiest of the tier four guys. I agree with that because it's true that when DeAndre Hopkins was a free agent and the entire league had the chance to sign him, the interest was fairly tepid. How right? much of that was contract and money related rather than just like him being a guy that can come in and help a team? Is that- I think it was like he wanted a certain level of contract and teams weren't 
Tennessee was willing to give it to was him. Was not willing to pay but, that. You know, it's yeah. not like we heard, oh, yeah, he's going to go visit just making Miami and New Orleans and the Chargers and the Seahawks, right? Like it kind of came down to a small pocket of teams. And two years, $26 million is nothing to shake a stick at financially, right? But um, it sounds like Tennessee basically blew every other offer out of the water. Like we're talking significantly more than anybody else was willing to offer him. And maybe the league views DeAndre Hopkins a little bit different. Wide receiver 19, not wavering on that part, but acknowledging the risk relative to some of the younger players whose pedigree at this juncture of their career is indisputable. I think that's a that's a fair thing. And he's also turning turning or has turned 31 now. Okay. Or 31. We'll be yeah. turning 31 this year. If Whatever. He's, he's not, now. you know, I can tell you he's right now. Without, without knowing, I can tell you that Terry McLaurin is a lot, a lot younger <laughs> than DeAndre Hopkins. That's fair. I can confirm that. All right. So then we're going to drop from tier four to tier five. Tier five, the tier of really freaking good. 31 for Hopkins. Yeah. Have you noticed? Like, I, I am really like crushing it with these tier <laughs> these names, right? Names. Like really freaking good at football. <laughs> but these guys are all awesome, Daniel. Like there's going to be one that pains me. Like, I don't know how he is this. I don't know how I have him ranked where he's ranked, but it's hard to push him much further off the board right now. Yeah, I'm going to rip through these six names, seven names that you have here in tier five. Amari Cooper starts at the top, followed by Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy in Denver, Christian Watson. Calvin Ridley checks in on this tier. Deontay Johnson, who had a historically bad season last year. And new Bears wide receiver DJ Moore. Field, I mentioned this yesterday. Amari Cooper, I think one of my big question marks he had five games, excuse me, six games last year yeah. with 20 plus fantasy points. Five of them came with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. And now we're waiting to see is Deshaun Watson going to reclaim that stardom that he had when he was in Houston. I don't know as though this is an Amari Cooper question, but with, with what this offense is going to change into, are you expecting Amari Cooper to be someone that could be your still wide receiver one, or is he pretty firmly your wide receiver two at this point? I think point? he'd be a weak wide receiver one if you had Amari Cooper as your wide receiver one next season. Because okay. part of the reality with Amari Cooper, and we're now, this will be his, uh, I believe his eighth season coming up, 15, uh, this will be his ninth season, ninth season. coming up, is Amari uh, Cooper, we've talked about this it's a roller coaster, baby, right? It may not be as dramatic as somebody like Mike Williams, um, but it's going to be up and down, right? They're going to be games like there were last season when he has in the beginning of the season, he goes, he follows. Here's like, I'll give you a four game snapshot. Okay. That tells you everything you need to know about Amari Cooper and the pros and cons of having on your fantasy team. All right. First week of the season, three catches, 17 yards, zero touchdowns. That's not good. All right. Second game of the season, nine catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. Third game, seven catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. You love those. Yeah. Fourth game, one catch, nine yards, zero touchdowns. Now, why do we have to have that game in there? Well, because it's the fourth game of the season. That's see, this is I mean, this is part of it. Is this this is part of this tier and what we're gonna see in the tiers following is some of those spike weeks and regression weeks yeah. field. You got some ups and down with these guys rather than that consistent floor of that top tier. But I am betting that the reason why I have them like for a guy that you say, like, wait, two out of four weeks that you just highlighted were bad. Like, why are you so optimistic? I've again, I've made this clear is that like, I think Deshaun Watson looks more like Deshaun Watson this season. I think the Browns open this offense up more this season. And as a result of that, Amari Cooper should be, I think, chasing a career high in targets. He said it last year, tied it last year, I should say, with 132 is most since 2016. Wouldn't surprise me if he pushes for 140 or 150, because while we like Elijah Mitchell, one of my favorite sleepers, by yes, the way, agreed. stored away for yep. a later time. Um, it's not like this is an overwhelmingly deep wide receiver room. Amari Cooper, who has been managing some injury stuff at the beginning of training camp, to me, the clear guy in this Cleveland receiver room. I am expecting more targets this year as well. Just a note that I think is something to keep in the back of your head. Okay. With Brissett as his quarterback, Amari Cooper saw eight and a half targets per game, but with Deshaun Watson under center, he only saw 6.3 targets per game. Two full targets less. I think you have to make a decision. On this Deshaun thing. You're either going to trust him or you're not. Well, you either have to decide that last year matters or it doesn't. How much does, like, I think last year is not going to matter, but I'm trying to use a little bit of last year to, like, prognosticate forward, which is the hard part of this job, Phil. That's that's fantasy football in a nutshell, right? (laughs) Like, if you were to, like, for for those that are in on Justin Herbert this year, right, it's like, well, two years ago, he was quarterback two in fantasy. 
right? And so that was a big part of the basis of our argument last year being like, yeah, I think Justin Herbert can finish as a quarterback one overall. Then he has a dud season. Yep. Right. So I think there is a little bit of a choice you have to make under Sean more so than others, because a six game sample size that some believe is representative of a shift going forward. Others think is very much a blip on the radar and that we're going to see a player who looks much more like the guy on the field from let's call it 2018 to like 2020. Yep. I would, I would love to see that from Deshaun Watson because we could have some really great fantasy play with that. Um, Jerry Judy, the hype train is just rolling, man. I feel like there used to be a conversation about which of the Broncos wide receivers do you want? That's not happening anymore. I don't think so. I think it's a combination of not just the usage that we saw last year, Obviously in a different offense, but yep. that usage I think is reflective of a more important point. If you were to stack Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton against each other, who's a better player? It's Jerry Judy, yep. right? Like he was just ripping off some nasty routes at the end of last season, had that three touchdown game against the Rams. I believe it was like he had some monster, monster output games down the stretch. And while we all think this Denver Broncos offense will be better because <laughs> can't get any worse. Um, I think that, you know, you still have to bake in like, I think there's a chance Denver wants to run the football like pretty competitively and pretty effectively. They spent big on the offensive line. They did invest in the backfield this offseason with Samaj P. Ryan. So I think Jerry Judy, though, feels like one of my like, you know, he's a guy that I think um, has validated his hype or is coming close to validating the hype that came that followed him when he was drafted in the first round three years ago. Right. He's got a ton of talent, a ton of upside, really good down the field. If the Broncos can protect Russell Wilson, we know Russ is one of the best deep throwers in the NFL has always been a fantastic deep thrower. Last year, there was absolutely no time behind a dismal offensive line and just a woe be gone operation. Jerry Judy is wide receiver. 23 really intrigues me this year. Woe be gone is an interesting phrase. Is that a, is that a real word? I'd make that up. No, I, uh, is that uh, like an old Western phrase? I know it from Lake Wobegon, which Lake I think was, Wobegon. yeah, which was Garrison Keeler. Do you remember Garrison Keeler? As I, used to I have to on the radio a long time no ago. idea what you're yeah. talking about. Right all right. Now. Well, that's all right. Does that make me weird? No, that doesn't Audience. make you weird. I, I think know, you're younger make... than me. No, I, I don't think that's that weird. much younger. What, four years, right? What about, uh, yeah, I think you're only four years younger yeah. than me, which is crazy because you, you still look so handsomely fresh. Stop. Yeah. Look at us. Field. Look at us. All right. Let's talk. Uh, I got two more questions here. Christian, interesting. I, yeah. the, Christian Watson. This one is tough for me. I well, got you, some feelings you're, you're on down, Christian Watson. Right? I am down All on right, Christian Watson. You tell me Watson. why you're down. So here's the thing. We talked last year about Christian Watson and everything okay. that he did. Yep. Watson was wide receiver 10 over the final eight games of his rookie season. And as a that's rookie good. wide receiver, yeah. that's what you're looking for. The end of the year. How yeah, did he really build good. throughout the year? It feels super misleading to me, though. In what sense? I want to break this down into two Two sample sizes, okay? okay? The final eight games from weeks 10 to 13, yep. where he scored all seven of his touchdowns, right. he was wide receiver three, yeah, averaging good. 24.8 fantasy points per game. 24.8! Oh, so you're telling me why it's not good is what you're saying. Now, you take the other sample size of that, weeks 14 through 18, he was wide receiver 44 mm. with just 9.6 fantasy mm. points per game. Okay. Yeah. So now the question is, which one of these Christian Watsons is the real Christian Watson? Because, yeah, over the final eight games, he's wide receiver 10. Okay. But he had all of his efficiency happen over that four-game stretch where he yeah. scored seven touchdowns. And now that Jordan Love is commanding this offense— mm-hmm. I don't have that same excitement in spite of the fact I've got him as wide receiver 25 because he is uber talented. And we did see that last year. I don't have that same excitement that I would if Aaron Rodgers was under center for a second season for Christian Watson. So I don't know who this player really is because that touchdown efficiency is a little bit misleading because it was packed in such a tight sample size field. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, obviously the touchdown stuff was ridiculous last year, but I'm going to take that as fantasy managers. That's fine. So what, here's what I'm expecting from Christian Watson why I have, even though we're very closely ranked, why I have a a rosier outlook is like, I think Jordan loves me fine. I think he's going to be a passable NFL quarterback. Not a top 10 guy, not a bottom five guy, right? Fine. I think the the Packers depth chart right now uh, behind Christian Watson is the least experienced. I mean, it's wild how inexperienced this group is right now. Yep. Seven, I think it's seven guys drafted over the past two years at wide receiver and tight end who figure into the mix here for Green Bay. How many of those guys do you trust right now? The only one that I... That you trust, trust is the answer is yeah. none. Like Romeo, oh, okay. Romeo Dobbs is the one. I like Romeo Dobbs as a sleeper, like uh, waiting late as a safety valve for Jordan Love. But I don't know as I can say I trust him because I, after seeing him last year, he's not like a trust guy. Okay, so I may have used the wrong word. Believe, have confidence in. It seems like one. The answer is one. One. Christian Watson, right? So 
to me, the alpha with a chance for seven to eight targets per game with big play upside in, a, in, in an offense that, you know, again, like I think when in doubt, the passing game is going to go find number nine. Yeah, that's it. Because right now, I mean, I like Luke Musgrave, one of their and, and Tucker Kraft, their two tight ends this year and Don Tavian Wicks and Jaden Reed and all these guys that they've stockpiled over the past two drafts. I don't know what that's going to look like at the NFL level. I know a little bit of what it's, what it's going to look like with Christian Watson. And I think Christian Watson will become less vertical and more like intermediate passing game target. And that to me is going to be enough to justify that mid tier wide receiver two, wide receiver three, excuse wide receiver me. three, but That's... who could, could jump into the top 20. Mike clay. I know loves Christian Watson. Mike back on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to having him on. He really does love Christian Watson. All yeah. right. Last question. How are you approaching Calvin Ridley? Let's after... do two guys actually here. Calvin okay. Ridley and Deontay Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, Calvin Ridley. I feel like we haven't seen him play football in a year and a half. I am super hyped on this guy for two reasons. And I'm just going to say this one. We've seen the talent. Yep. We know how good he can be. Listening to him talk about himself, being able to come back like he feels like he is ready and primed to be the wide receiver one yep. of a, of a even better Jaguars offense with Trevor Lawrence here in year three. Yep. On top of that field, I just want to freaking root for the guy. Yeah, totally like, fair. There are enough stories for me as a fantasy analyst that I'm not super thrilled always with all the stories that come up with about these guys that we have to talk about. So when I have someone that I feel like I'm excited and I want to empower and talk about a guy like Calvin Ridley. Yeah, man, I want to root for that guy. Not only do I think he has the opportunity, but I want to see him succeed. And I I know for me, I I think there's a lot of opportunity to be able to make that happen here in this Jags offense. All right. So, I mean, I think if this were a different team, we'd have a much different outlook for Calvin Ridley. Here's the, 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 the sort of the, the challenge in in placing Calvin Ridley is that if the Jaguars did nothing this off season and obviously Ridley was acquired at the trade deadline, You'd be like, yeah, still a pretty formidable group, right? You've got Christian Kirk and you've got Great Zay Jones year. and you've got Evan Ingram and perhaps a blossoming season in the passing game for Travis Etienne. Now they've added a player who is legitimate enough in Calvin Ridley to upset the sort of the hierarchy here. Yep. You just don't know how much they're going to upset it. I think if you were to like do a combine and like the t- most talented pass catcher on this roster is Calvin Ridley. Yes. There's no two ways about that, right? Um, but there's a trust that's already there with Christian Kirk. There's a trust that's already been developed with Zay Jones. So that's why we have to sort of hedge a tiny bit with Calvin Ridley. I sent you guys, I sent a group of people last night a text saying like, it sickens me that I have Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 25. Like how can I not get him higher on my rankings? And I think that this probably accounts for it. It's just, and while I do believe he's the most talented mm-hmm. and while I do love Trevor Lawrence, he's a superstar quarterback the Jaguars had a really good thing going last year that it's possible that Ridley challenges for more like, you know, a hundred targets as opposed to 115 or 120. Meanwhile, you've got guys a little bit further or close to that same tier where like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If Chris Godwin, who I have in the same tier has 140 targets next year, 150 is possible for Chris Godwin especially in this offense without Tom Brady, where they're trying to find ways. I mean, who knows what this Bucks offense is going to look like? I love could do a whole podcast on that alone. That would be a very, a very good podcast. Like, you know, when you just like, there's a little bit of unknown with Calvin Ridley that makes things just a little bit uh, harder to rank than most players. There's quite a bit of unknown with Calvin Ridley. Honestly, like that's, that is a big part of this. It's been a couple of years since he's played. Right. Uh, But, but, Man, is he talented. And man, do I hope that I'm like eight spots wrong by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, uh, Deontay Johnson, we got to bring up too, Daniel, because I'll just ask you, like, where are you at on Deontay? Because obviously, like, when you ask what I want most from a wide receiver in fantasy, then the first answer will always be volume. Yep. The volume is absurdly off the charts for Deontay Johnson, but a lot of people feel very snake bitten for a guy who last year had 147 targets and zero touchdowns. Zero. Despite my manifestation efforts, nothing happened. Zero receiving touchdowns. Will he find the end zone this year? Absolutely. That's not going right. to repeat itself, Field. That there. <sighs> Last year, he was top 10 in both routes and targets, wide receiver, 13 in receptions. One of the things they did, they actually targeted Deontay Johnson downfield more than they had in years past. It just didn't really help his fantasy value as much. But no, Deontay Johnson, the first player in NFL history with 85 receptions to not score a touchdown in a season. That's not going to happen again. And I'm expecting a second year surge from Kenny Pickett. 
doesn't mean he's going to become a top 10 quarterback, but yeah. I think he's going to have some spike weeks where he can have a lot more value for Deontay Johnson in the passing game. So for me, I look at this and all the volume that he's gotten. If I put in just a little bit of touchdown luck into last year's numbers, I'm feeling really good about Deontay Johnson. The only question mark for me, honestly, okay. Field, yeah. is George Pickens also was pretty stinking good. Yeah. And he's not going to disappear from this wide receiver tree either. So how much does George Pickens in his second year push Deontay Johnson in the volume that he's been seeing? Yeah, I think the reason why I have Deontay Johnson where I settle, which is wide receiver 26, is that I just think he... like. Last year, notwithstanding, it's going to sound weird. Uh, he represents a much higher floor yes. than a lot of players in this same yes, tier. Yes, he does. But I think he represents a lower ceiling as well. That's fair. For his career, he has 10.7 yards per catch. 10.7. Like, that's just not, like, that's fine. It's nothing crazy, though, right? Like, he has one 1,000-yard season in four years. He's a really solid player. I just think that, like, the chance for, I think if you ask me, between Christian Watson, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy and Deontay Johnson, which of them was least likely to have a 1,312 touchdown season up this upcoming year? I think my answer would be Deontay Johnson. I think those other guys have a clear path to that monster season, which is why I have Johnson as wide receiver 26. But as I said, in my very eloquently named tier, he's really freaking good. Really freaking good. Uh, field. We're going to talk about two more tiers really quickly, but first, tell us about our friends over at Geico. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I would love of it. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win big with money lines, props, parlay, and more right now new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code FFF that's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in West Virginia visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races all games regulated by West Virginia Lottery Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states with age raised by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Stop it. Stop. Oh, pretty good right there. Field, you're just it's saying really that because it's true. really hard to read fast. Well done right there. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's hard to read at all is what I've been finding out nowadays. Uh, as, as I told you earlier, reading, not for me. Speaking, hardly for Spe me. But, but audiobooks guy. I, I love audiobooks. Audiobooks yeah. and podcasts. That's where it's at, man. Yeah. That's where we're at. All right. We got two more tiers we're going to talk about. Tier six. Yeah, there's some guys I definitely want to make sure that we discuss over these next uh, couple of tiers. Here. This one is aptly titled, a perfect title. Okay. Really good. But ride the wave. Big time. That's what this entire tier feels like. And the yeah. wave players, we got Mike Williams. Obviously, big Mike Williams. Michael Pittman Jr. Hollywood Brown and whatever he's going to be this year. We'll talk about him. Drake London yeah. had a massive target share, but definitely a wave player. Mr. Wave himself, Mike Evans, spike week versus spike week. And then Christian Kirk, the other Jaguars wide receiver. How much is Mike Williams? going to be impacted by the addition of Callen, Kellen Moore, which I think would be positive, but then also the addition of Quentin Johnston, the first round rookie, which might be negative. I already, I apologize by the way, for using the term wave earlier when discussing Amari Cooper, because I wish I had saved it for, for these this, because these are really the waves. I mean, with Mike Williams, you know what you were signing up for. It's yeah. been five seasons of, you might get 14 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Yep. You also might get one catch for 14 yards. So the good news is, as you said, this should be a much more vertically inclined offense. There's been some talk about Mike Williams playing a bit more in the slot. There's a chance for a career year here for Mike Williams. I just think that you're going to have to be prepared for a couple of weeks, maybe more than a couple, where you just get let down because his history has shown us that's going to be the case. And by the way, if you have an offense that has Keenan Allen, and his typical, you know, somewhere between 8 and 11 targets per game. Austin Eckler, the most productive receiving back in the NFL over the past two seasons. A first-round pick in Quinton Johnston. 
Their fourth pick, their fourth receiver is Josh Palmer. It's 72 catches last he year. He was still pretty good. Yeah. Right? Like Gerald Everett. Like they have a lot of guys that can feast. Yep. So along those lines, you've got players like Mike Williams in Los Angeles, Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco that just by sheer math are going to have weeks where they fade into the background, just taking a back seat to guys who are so good. They're just like slightly better than them. So yeah. I've, I've got them as wide receiver 28 uh, for all those reasons. I, I, there's a lot to like about Mike Williams potentially this year with the addition of Kellen Moore and what this offense can look like. I would love to see him be able to break out. I've heard that saw some stuff. They're using him in the slot a little bit more. During bit, training yeah, camp. I mean, I always sort of like Ken Allen's a super slot player and Quinton Johnston had some slot I, aptitude as well. Hey, so I'm let's a little move, bit skeptical. I'm okay with Mike Williams, not just being a guy way. that gets targets 20 yards downfield. Let's have some efficiencies to his game. I'd be fine with that. Yep. Does Michael Pittman, so Michael Pittman, this feels like DK Metcalf from last year. Is he the guy where it's like, hey, man, this guy is really good, but we're really concerned about the quarterback play, so I'm probably going to pass on him, but there may be more value than what we think. Maybe I'm projecting there, yeah. but I think there's a little bit there where it's like we all were nervous about DK because of the quarterback play last year. Yeah. That's the rub this year with Michael Pittman again. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his, his, his logs from last year, and you're just reminded, like, God, sometimes it's tough to watch. Oh, right? it's and so like, hard. Oh, my God, like, amazing. He had 14 targets and turned him into 60 yards, right? Stop. Um, but, yeah, and but he had two touchdowns. Or sorry, he had no touchdowns that game, my bad. But, yeah, um, tricky one, right? Because we've admitted that Anthony Richardson's got such a high ceiling. We also have talked about how he's got this crazy range of outcomes in large part due to the fact that he completed fewer than 53% of his passes last year at Florida at the college level. It's funny. I posted the video from our recent pod about uh, Richardson on Twitter and it's amazing. Like either I have a lot of sec fans, which great. Love you. Can't wait for sec football, uh, more sec football coming on ESPN soon fired up about that. Um, or people just really find him to be polarizing. Cause there was a lot of like, did you even watch this game? And like, yeah, I'm aware. Like he was definitely up and down last year, but that ties into Michael Pittman is what kind of quarterback play are you getting for a player yep. who um, has been plagued by it in recent years, right? At least last year specifically, Michael Pittman is more talented than being the 33rd wide receiver in terms of current ADP, but it's hard for me to justify having a much higher than my wide receiver 29 ranking because there's massive quarterback uncertainty. Heck there's massive running back uncertainty in Indianapolis right now. Like it's possible that this team is just playing like from behind the eight ball, the entirety of this upcoming season. Yeah, that would be really tough. And that's one of the things that we're looking at. I feel like with Michael Pittman, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not do this thing where I'm like, you know what? I'm just out. I'm trying to I'm trying to not be out on players because yeah. eventually it gets to a point where there's still value there based on who the guy is and the talent. Yeah, I think you have to like again in some of this and we talked about this more yesterday with the backs is like draft strategy too, right? Like Correct. um depending on who you already have on your roster, Michael Pittman can make more sense. If you've like if you've already drafted, I'm just making this up here, right? But like if DeAndre Hopkins is one of your top 2 wide receivers and I mentioned earlier that he has more risk than other guys in that tier, Maybe you don't want a Michael Pittman. Maybe instead you want a guy who you think has more upside in this tier, right? Or even further down. If instead you've got two guys like you've already, if you went Justin Jefferson early and you also grabbed CeeDee Lamb somehow, I don't know how that would work out, but let's say Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown in the first two rounds and you just kind of want like good, solid, dependable depth, then you might find that with players like Michael Pittman because you're saying to yourself, all right, I don't need him to be a megastar every week, but he's a reasonable wide receiver three, and I think Anthony Richardson is going to be just fine. So always keep um, roster construction in mind. I think that's probably one of the um, hard parts about diving into rankings is that like when you're talking about a guy as wide receiver 29, it could be dependent upon what's already happened right. in your rankings wide receiver one through 28. That And that is a very, I think, a very important thing to be able to factor in when you're looking at these. Mm. You're it's tough to be able to, I feel like it's tough to be able to look at the wide receiver position and feel like I don't want to just shoot for upside sometimes, right? And when you have, like you're saying, yeah. Justin Jefferson covers so many, obviously he's the best wide receiver in football, but you get a guy that gets a lot of targets. It makes it a lot easier to grab one of these guys, the, the ride the wave guys later in the draft, because what I don't probably want to do is have Michael Pittman and Mike Evans on my team. I don't want to have two guys that I feel like, hey, they both could spike the same week and I would win that week. But when they both crater that week, mm. it's going to really leave my wide receiver position tough. I think Mike Evans has been another one that I would love to talk about. He's been a top 
25 wide receiver for all nine of his NFL seasons. Now Tom Brady is gone. Can he be top 25 again with Baker Mayfield under center field? Surprisingly, the masses are more in on Mike Evans than out. Here's the path. And these are two important things that I don't know that we can count on right now, but I think are important. All right. We need Baker or whoever wins the job. I'm presuming it's Baker, Mayfield, Baker. right? Yeah. Isn't that fun, though? To go from the greatest quarterback of all time to, I don't really know, maybe Baker Mayfield. Maybe it's Kyle Trask. So We're not you sure. say fun? Like, to, to the Bucks fans in your life, do you think it's fun to no, think maybe about? maybe for the rest of us. Okay, Maybe it. not maybe Bucks like fans. Maybe like to other NFC South fans, yes. Falcons and Panthers fans, uh, yeah. They might be happy exactly. about it. Us, not so much. All right, so <laughs> you need Baker Mayfield to be fine. Like, not awful. You, you just need to, to be not fine. be an absolute atrocity, right? Yeah. And the other thing that you need, and I actually read this on Buccaneers.com, and I was encouraged by it, is that... Um, one of the things about having Tom Brady is that, like, whatever Tom wants to do, you're going to do. Last year, it just didn't work, right? Um, Mike Evans basically last year was a perimeter receiver who did one of three things. It was like drop passes, run straight down oh, the sorry, field. Sorry, I'll let you. Sorry, uh, run that. straight down the field in a go route, right? Run a hitch or run like a stop or an out route, right? Like it was a very narrow route tree last year for Mike Evans. If the Bucks become a little more variable with how they utilize him, sure this thing could be trending upwards just because it became like, I don't know that it's ever easy to defend Mike Evans because um, he's a really, really good player. He's going to be in the hall of fame one day. Yes. But like if the bucks weren't pass protecting enough, or if Tom Brady had another look that he was willing to get to in a hurry, he was going to get there. And the inconsistency last year from Mike Evans was out of this world. He went from week four to week 17 did not score a touchdown in between those two weeks. That's wild for the guy who coming into this year, this past year, you, you would have thought like 10 touchdowns without breaking a sweat with Tom Brady, right? So that's part of this funky game we play sometimes. But yeah, I, um, I'm, I, I want Mike Evans to be used more thoughtfully this year. And if he is, I will feel more optimistic. Day 51 of my NFL countdown was Mike Evans. Okay. I just I found some fun things. I just want to say this really yeah. quickly. Mike Evans was so frustrating last year. From weeks 9 to 16, which is the fantasy playoffs, Field Yates. Okay. Weeks 9 to 16, yeah. that includes all of that. He averaged 8.8 fantasy points per game. Wait, 9 through 16 was the playoffs? I'm just saying the playoffs are in there, right? Okay, for the, for the four say. your fantasy playoffs. Got like, it. you all don't right. start the playoffs in week it. 9. Okay. But, yep. but from weeks 9 to 16, Mike Evans averaged 8.8 fantasy points per game. That it's was wide good. receiver 59 at the end of the year, or in case you were wondering, yeah. Paris Campbell. So here you are in Jeez. week 13, 14, and 15, trying to win your playoff matchup, yeah. and you're starting Mike Evans, and you're actually getting Paris Campbell. And then what does Mike Evans what does Mike Evans do in week 17? No, field? He, he won me my consolation championship. He won you your toilet bowl championship. That's 48.7 fantasy points in week 17. It was awesome. It was, it totally was lit. so I loved it. infuriating loved it. to yeah, have right. him on the bench and do that. Now, it's just consistency. If that's what he was like with Tom Brady last year, I think that's one of my only questions is he's had consistency problems even with the greatest quarterback of all time. Oh, totally. There's going to be some of that here with Baker Mayfield as well, just because of that drop off. If not for Geno Smith last year, I might be like just totally out on Mike Evans but Geno Smith has rising from the ashes has reminded me like crazy things do happen with quarterbacks and Baker played at times in his prior stops good enough football to make receivers relevant yes not great but good enough but relevant all right last year here field tier seven the mega talent but how much opportunity will they have yep there's a bunch of guys in this list Brandon Ayuk, yep. Jordan Addison, Brandon Cooks, George Pickens, Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, and Jahan Dotson. Yep. Do you have a favorite name from this list? It's tough because, like, obviously, maybe the guy at the top is your favorite name. But do you have a favorite player from this list right now? I, I will discuss this in greater detail at a later date. But Jordan Addison might be my favorite sleeper in fantasy this year. Okay. Jordan Addison stepping into a massive role in in, in a Minnesota offense led by Kirk Cousins. They're going to throw the ball a ton. He is not going to be drawing a lot of attention because Justin Jefferson is playing opposite of him. I think he's a tremendous route runner from his time at Pitt and also USC. Good enough after the catch. When Justin Jefferson entered the league, he took over this massive number two role in Minnesota opposite of Adam Thielen. I am not saying that Jordan Addison is going to become Justin Jefferson because Justin Jefferson might be on the track to become the greatest receiver of all time. 
But I do think there is a chance for a comparably smash season for Jordan Addison this year as a rookie in Minnesota. I've got him way ahead of consensus by full a full eight slots right now from the ESPN consensus rank of wide receiver 43. Wow. So I'm assuming you, he's the wide receiver you think has the most upside Favorite out of this tier seven. receiver, ton of upside. I, mean, I think there are a few guys that have some upside here. Love Jordan Addison this year. I'm all about that. All in. Are we in on Gabe Davis again this year, or is this this one of those? He feels like one of these conversations that's really tough for me after a hype year last year in which he did not pan out, and we used what would have been a starting draft pick on him. Yeah, well, here's the difference between this year and last year, right? It's you're getting him at a massive discount, Discount. right? I mean, you're getting him now. is A current ADP for Gabe Davis is wide receiver 46. That's the 13th round. He was going like wide receiver 20 last year. Yes, he was. Right, so... I'm way more in on Gabe Davis at wide receiver 46 than I would have been if he was once again going as wide receiver 20. So using Gabe Davis, then looking at this entire tier list that you have, a guy that last year went as wide receiver 20 but had question marks, is there a Gabe Davis in this list for you that within this tiers list, not just tier 7, that you feel like this one might be the one that I have the most concern or question marks on coming into the season? The guy that you're like, I'm trying to make it happen more than it actually has happened. Um, there is not a name that comes to mind right, right now, Daniel. There's All right, that's not okay. Someone that comes to mind right away. Not every year has to, to have a Gabe Davis. Um, let me steal on that one. Save that question. Let's ask it again in the coming days, and I'll see if I have a better answer. You know what? I should really send you an email to Field Yates with this question. What is it? Field Yates at fantasyfocus.org? Uh, field at fantasyfocus.org. Field at fantasy.org. Field at fantasyfocus.org. If you've got players that you want us to talk about, if you yes. have questions that we haven't addressed, got lots of emails yesterday hoping to get more and more. And by the way, we're, uh, we're going to try to respond to some of them. And also answer some of them live here on the show. Field of fantasy focus.org. And please go to the ESPN NFL YouTube. Subscribe. That's to right. That button. All of our content on the video side will be funneled right to the ESPN NFL YouTube. Mike Clay tomorrow. Let's go. Can't wait for Mike. For Daniel on field. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 11 a.m. Eastern time. The great Mike Clay returns. You think he's great, right? I think he's great, but I think he's the greatest when he sends you shirtless photos to field at fantasyfocus.org. Field at fantasyfocus.org. Please wear a shirt. All the shirtless photos. If you need a stick of tide, field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna yate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host, and everybody knows his name. He's Field.